You artists have a special relationship to beauty. Beauty, like truth, brings joy to the human heart. Beauty is an invitation to savor life and a dream of the future. Beauty is a key to the mystery and a call to transcendence. Beauty is the vocation bestowed on you by the Creator and the gift of artistic talent. None can sense more deeply than you, artists, ingenious creators of beauty that you are. That beauty will save the world. Welcome back to Letter to Artists, and thank you for joining us for Season 2. Check out the Season 2 intro if you haven't yet to hear all about the exciting developments of this season. Brought to you from the vault at John Paul the Great Catholic University in Southern California, this podcast is inspired by the beloved St. Pope John Paul II's encyclical, Letter to Artists, hoping to unite a community of creative Catholics to encourage one another to use our artistic talents to impact culture for Christ. I'm your host, Bailey Garland. Just as we began season one sharing a letter to our actors, so do we begin season two. Today, we are joined by Lee Eske, who is the chair of our acting department here at JP Catholic. He has spent a lot of his career working as an acting coach in Hollywood, working with a variety of talents such as magicians and comedians. But I was really drawn to getting him on the show because of his passion for new evangelization. And he's known on our campus for integrating theology of the body into his acting instruction. So I'm super pumped to chat with him about this topic because, as you all know by now, I studied acting at a public university. And, and it was as I was reentering the Catholic faith. So the fact that he forms actors in this way was something incredible to me. So before we dive in, I'm just going to remind you of the letter to artist quote that's inspiring this episode. That is why artists, the more conscious they are of their gift, are led all the more to see themselves and the whole of creation with eyes able to contemplate and give thanks and to raise to God a hymn of praise. This is the only way for them to come to a full understanding of themselves, their vocations, and their mission. We enter into our conversation in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome, Professor Lee Eske. Thank you, Bailey. So nice to be here. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I've just been hearing so much about you, and it's it's been a joy to finally meet you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Thank you. So just a little icebreaker question before we dive into to all the, the meat and potatoes of the, the episode. What is your favorite play or movie or musical? Oh, boy. There's so many. So, so many. You know, so many of them had different impacts at different times of my life. So I don't think I have a f an absolute favorite. I would be very hesitant to have an absolute favorite. I think the movie that I'm sitting with right now in the in recent history is A Hidden Life. Did you see Ooh, A Hidden Life? I've not seen the whole thing, but I've seen a part of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This this Terrence Malick film. I mean, again, this it's the recent. It's the one that struck me most recently. Yeah, uh, th there's something about that movie that really just hit me, and I mean on all on all. I do mean as a professional, you know, artist, yeah. the way the movie was made, it's just well done. It's beautifully done. It, it, there's so much about it that's beautifully acted. There's so many, all those standards that we want to create in, you know, good films. And it really hits me on a, on a deeper God, theology, the body, Christian level too. Yeah. Can you give us just a little bit about what the movie's about for those who maybe haven't seen it? Yeah. Franz Jägerstedt, I think that's the fellow's name who it's, it's based on a true story set in Austria I believe I've got that right. And it's, what's the little village in Austria where he is? He's living a very tranquil life. I mean, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful life with his wife. And and it's it's as the Nazis are coming to power. And I don't want to give the film away in case people haven't seen it, but it's that struggle between his, his very, living a beautiful, good life, more of a pacifist kind of, I'm just going to do my thing. And, and as, as Nazism grows and as that threat grows and that threat to humanity grows, how it intersects with him 
and he has choices to make along the way as to how to live his life and what that means. And in the, in the full Christian tradition, that, that means it's going to cost us something. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm not, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful movie that I think if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend people watch it. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about it. I, I think it's so funny because I'm so drawn to the, the finding the extraordinary in the ordinary. And everyone recommended that movie to me. And I think for some reason... Just like how we get with weird with saints. Sometimes we're like, well, everybody's into that saint right now. <laughs> I was like, well, everyone's into that movie. So I'm not watching that movie. But every time it comes up, I'm like, oh, I really need to sit down and watch it. So maybe this will be the time. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it. I'll tell you one other thing I love about it is that it's it's not an overtly Christian film. Mm. You know, I love Terrence Malick because he's one of those film. And, and I, I have nothing against well done mm-hmm. Christian stories. Yeah. Beautiful. That's part of what we're trying to do. Right. Well right. done Christian stories. But I also have a special place in my heart for the the kind of art that hits the universal deeper Christian themes in, in a less explicit way. You know, this one happens to deal with some of the themes of Christianity, yeah. but I just love that it's, it's a profoundly Christian film without being a Christian film, if you know what I mean. And I believe that I mean, if, if anyone did research on that man, I think he's up for canonization. I think or he is. Beatification, some, somewhere in the process of yes. becoming a saint, which yeah. is pretty cool. So that's awesome. Well, that's exciting. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> a great way to dive us in. So now, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Uh, well, um, I, let's see. I yeah, I teach here at JP Catholic. I've been here about just talking to Derry the other day. I think we're looking at twelve years, something like that. So I founded the acting program here, and I I grew up in uh, Virginia, a little town called Portsmouth, Virginia, and. Yeah, I loved theater in high school. I went to a very small Catholic school and I loved theater and got excited about that. And it's one of the things I could do well at school, you know, and and then I went on to college at Catholic University in D.C. and and got a degree in drama. And then I went on to be a professional actor. I worked for a while around various theaters the way actors work, which is you know, most actors are unemployed most of the time. That's the truth. Right. So you're, you're always looking for the next gig and that kind of thing. And and. Yeah, I really, I really, that was, that was kind of my journey for a couple of years. And then I went to grad school in Denver at the National Theater Conservatory. So I kind of made my way across the country. I went from, you know, Virginia ah, to DC yes. to Denver. And then after Denver, I, and when I graduated from the conservatory, I had a decision to make about, am I going to go east or west? This is the big decision for all, you know, maybe it's changing a little bit now, but there was a time for professional actors. You had two choices. You had LA or New York. Now there's also other, other hubs now, but it was LA or New York. And I, I made the very adventurous decision to go to L.A., which is, you know, very, very bold for a little Virginia guy who's an East Coast guy. So I went I went to L.A. and and jumped into the film industry and jumped into L.A. And really, I mean, that was quite a shock to my system. But but really, really loved being there and loved doing films, you know, love love working on films, loved doing all that. And, but it's, it's, you know, it's a grueling life of an actor, a lot of auditioning, you know, a lot of auditioning. The general ratio was, I think it still is like 30, 30 auditions, 10 callbacks, one gig. Wow. 30 auditions, 10 callbacks, one gig, you know? So along the way I started coaching other actors because I've always been a son of a natural teacher. And I started working with other actors on their scripts and eventually started other actors started asking me because one of the things in LA that happens a lot in the film industry that you may know is, you know, there's, there's often not a lot of time spent on, on scripts and preparation for actors. You know, the industry is so fast right? and films are made so fast and you got a number of shots. I was just talking to Chris Riley about this. You got a number of shots to get in in the day and that's, it's got to happen. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes working with actors is the thing that gets the least attention. 
And for really wonderful actors that I started working with, they were like, please help me. Please look over my shoulder. Please look over the director's shoulder and help me know that I'm playing an action and help me find actions and help me ground myself in the reality of the scene. So I started doing that and I loved it. I loved it. I loved working with actors. And so I started coaching people on set, off set. I was taught at a, taught at a couple conservatories down there and a couple schools, acting schools. And, and I gradually just loved, I love the teaching as much as the, the doing. And actually I'm just, like I said, a natural teacher, I think. So that, that's kind of how I ended up doing that. And along the way, I found theology of the body, you know, the whole other stream happening over here of development, personal development and finding TOB with my wife. And, mm. and then it all kind of came together. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. And how then, oh, there's many ways I can go, but I think the one I'll pick right now is how did you find JP Catholic in, in the middle of all that? <laughs> well, it's, it, is, it, is right, you're, it is right in the middle of all that. I, I was getting certificate from the Theology of the Body Institute in Philadelphia and had to go to a number of courses. And I was at one of my second or third courses there and a fellow whose name for the life of me, I cannot remember. And I wish I could, because I'd love to thank him. We were talking on one of the breaks from the course and he said, I was telling him about my love of acting and this, that, and the other. And he said, hey, there's a school. There's a school dedicated to, to JP, you know, John Paul the Great. And this is what they're doing. And the fellow you need to talk to is Derry Connolly. And here's his number. And and so I, I that's how it happened. And then I called Derry. And I lived in I lived in San Francisco, not San Francisco, but north of San Francisco. I lived in the Bay Area at the time. And I said, Derry, you have a th- you have a you have a performing arts school, but I understand you don't have an acting program. And he said, and I'm not going to attempt his, I'm not going to attempt a dairy <laughs> dialect right here. But, you know, basically said, yeah, we, we want to, we want to, but we just haven't gotten around to it. So I, I said, let me do a class for you. I think you need it. It's time. And, and he agreed and he let me do a class and the class went over really well. And that was 12 years ago. And here we are. And here we are. That's amazing. And so in that kind of, I just feel like it's really cool how the Lord kind of, you know, set, set that stage up for that all to play out for you. Where did your journey with acting, and I'm guessing you've, you've always been Catholic. Did you have a reversion? Where, where was that link for you wanting to grow deeper in your faith, but also this, this drive? Because I think sometimes we try to divide the two. We try to go, I need to be Catholic over here, but I'll, I'll act and be in another world. Where did that kind of intersect for you as you were coaching and as you were living right there in the heart of Hollywood? Wow. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. I think it started earlier than that. I, I always felt the, the through line. I guess it helped that I went to a Catholic high school and that my exposure to theater and all that was there. And, and to the, the really basic primal human needs, you know, this is where it all came together for me was it's, it's all tending to the same thing. You know, I tell my students when you're, when you're a good actor, it might make you a saint because they're the same skill. Now, m- people listening might go, what? What does that mean? Like, how in the, what does acting have to do with Isn't acting pretending nonsense? No, not exactly. It's not <laughs> what it is, really. Uh, and I, I, I think part of it is I love my faith from early. Well, let me just tell you a little bit more personal. I think because this, I think this, this matters. I'm the only Catholic in my family. So I was raised, my mom, I was raised, my mom was a single mom. She was divorced and her great grandfather had, was Irish Catholic, came from Ireland. And somewhere in the course of their American journey, they converted to, to Methodist. And this is probably more information than you want, but this kind of actually, this is, this is what laid the course. And this is how the Holy Spirit worked in mm-hmm. my childhood is when my mom got divorced, life was so hard for her and she felt so lonely. She, re- she converted back to 
Catholicism. And I asked her later, why did you do that? Like, what caused you to do that? And she said, I needed something really solid. My life was falling apart. I needed something solid. And I thought, my goodness, she's really describing the church. You know, I need the tactile. I need the Eucharist. I need the clarity of teaching. I need the tradition. I need the lineage. So I'm, I'm just grateful because she returned my family mm-hmm. to that, you know, to that lineage. And she sent me to Catholic school and that's how I ended up being, you know, Catholic. And now, now she at later in her life, as she's gotten older, is kind of now drifted away from that in her older age. But she, she came and brought me to it. And then I, it was absolutely, absolutely right for me. And I loved the church. I loved the nuns. I loved all of it. I loved the smells and bells. I, so I see, I saw everything from a young age through a theatrical lens. Yeah. You know what I mean? Explain it. it was, yeah. I, 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 everything is epic to me. I mean, I look around and I, 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 everything has meaning. I, yeah. I, everything, I think one of the most impactful things for me was to see on Wednesday, we would have mass and to see the nuns kneeling in prayer, something in that, in my mind, to see the teachers, the ones who are your, your, you know, superiors, the ones you look up to, the ones who guide you to see them kneel before God. That's very countercultural, you know, mm-hmm. we're either the big ones in the world or we're the small ones, but how could we possibly be the teachers and then the teachers surrender themselves before God to see that whole dynamic really oriented my head in a, in a, it oriented my heart, oriented my head. And I just absorbed that. And, and, and so that, that kind of set me, it kind of brought it all together. So there's a kind of theatricality to life that, that I still see. You know, everything has a kind of theatricality to it. It's very kind of obtuse answer to, to oh, your question. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh, no, this is this is what we're here for. And so it was kind of through that that lens that you that you were seeing the faith. And I mean, I remember one time watching. I remember one time going to a, a more, I, don't, I guess, decorated mass. And I remember everyone was in all the like everyone's in an alb. Everyone was we're all wearing the same thing. And I remember thinking, gosh, this seems like so uppity and like such a such a performance which is so funny for me who's an actor and I was like I just don't like that it's a performance and then I remember somebody saying like why wouldn't we give our best to God and mm. and I was like oh my gosh absolutely why wouldn't we dress it up that people can't see my air quotes to give this like ultimate gift because we, we do that for audiences every you know entertainment industry we spend all this money we throw all of these things in to give the best to the people watching but then to God who's watching everything and we're gathering for him in that moment why wouldn't we decorate it why wouldn't we make it authentically theatrical yes Mm -hmm. yes yes authentically theatrical in such a wonderful way yeah and that really that that lit me up as a kid and and to see the see church to experience mass and this is now remember i'm i'm talking now i'm you know my age i was this was happening in the 80s -hmm. and things were not so always so great in the church in the 70s and the 80s Right. right it was a little but I still, even in the stripped down version, mm-hmm. like this is, there was no high mass at this point. This yeah. was low mass, mm-hmm. so to speak. This was where there was not a whole lot of care sometimes given. Even in that, something struck me as mm-hmm. this is epic. What's happening here? This, the ritual of this, the silence. And that's the other thing that I had a, a wonderful, uh, one of my teachers introduced us to contemplative prayer in high school. And that also had a huge impact on me. So, so I say all that to say these things were very strong in me before I went to school. And from my perspective, nothing would pull me off that. Like 
acting had to fit with that. If it didn't fit, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. And that's beautiful that keeping those words of your mom in mind, like the strong foundation. So and, and especially for the life of an actor, which you said, like you said, 30, 10 and one, like that's. Those are not good odds. That's a shaky right. <laughs> shaky ground to stand on. But you had something firm to keep you going when all of those things were up in the air. Yeah. And I think that's that's really beautiful that you that you leaned on that. And so how throughout your time then when you were entering, when you made that bold move away from your family into L.A., I guess I want to know how those encounters with people who I'm guessing had much a different faith life, much different experience, much different worldviews than you. How was that approach? Because that's beautiful for you to be able to like encounter and receive their hearts as you're also trying to give yours. So what was that like coaching, but also living out your faith in a world that maybe wasn't so accepting of the faith? Yeah, well, I found myself gravitating towards Christian actors, to be honest. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I found them gravitating towards me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so I, you know, I, I worked with, and that's not the only actors I worked with. I worked with a lot of different actors, but it's amazing how the, the way I was teaching, the way I was holding it, the, there's a kind of way of holding art that is profound, mm-hmm. you know, you hold it as profoundly, not just profoundly important, but as revealing really deep, universal, important things. Like this is not nothing. Yeah. This isn't casual. It's, it's, there's a deep caring to that. And there's something about that, that it goes deeper than this, you know, self-involvement of a lot of entertainment. Sometimes there's a care for the art And I'm going to use the word a reverence. You know, there's a kind of a reverence for the art and a kind of perspective that is not unlike those beautiful sisters kneeling before God. Not that the art is God, but that there's something about an artistic experience like that that can be a conduit for God's presence and grace. And I held it that way, you know, and and so the actors who would come to me would often be Christians. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not always, but the ones who stuck we could talk about the deeper meanings. And this is the other thing, Bailey, is that when you, when you have that uh, common language, then you can talk about the totality of the human experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can talk about the totality of the human experience. You can talk about all of it. Mm-hmm. You can talk about all of it with confidence. Yeah. And so, so yeah, Holly, the time, my time in Hollywood was not easy. It was, it can be, it could be a battle and it's, it's not a place, not an easy place. But I also gravitated towards family theater and act one and these things in Hollywood that are Christian and or Catholic little hubs. Right. Well, and I think it's really beautiful, too, because even with our Protestant brothers and sisters, any other Christian denomination, that's kind of where I. Yeah. Again, again, not to go too personal, but I but you're thinking in me when I was in my acting program at Illinois State, a lot of the friends that I made, they would they would come to me because they knew that I was like very open about my faith. And then it was always like. (laughs) <laughs> like a secret little sneak up for them to tell me like, oh, mm. this thing about God or that thing about God. And it wasn't even like, like you said, it was just the whole human experience. Like there was something about the fact that although I was a little, it was weird because I was open about the fact that I loved God. There was like a hidden truth and like, hey, I, I actually do too. And I want to talk to you about this moment or this sadness mm. or this experience. And because then we could use the word God, something was comforting there i don't know if that exactly makes sense but but there was some sort of meeting place because we believed in something bigger than ourselves that was even bigger than acting the thing that brought us together in the first place and what we were doing was ultimately trying to figure out the human experience trying to figure out god and in that that brought us together yes yes Mm -hmm. yes and 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 so you share a common language and a common theme and on top of that 
you're dealing with reality. See, this is, this is when we're dealing with God, we're dealing with the, the actual, recognizing the correct, honest ordering of the world and ourselves. And I know we hold it the other way around, like society holds it the other way around. Like, well, the, the secular worldview is probably the right one. These Christians add some woo-woo to it or something. Mm-hmm. No, no. And it's not, it's not actually <laughs> correct. It's actually, it's actually when we take God and our relationship to God and our, and our daughterhood, fatherhood out of the equation, we lose ourselves which will when we talked about the jp2 quote in a minute you know it's like that that's that's in there you know we we actually lose ourselves it's very hard to orient yourself i'll give you an example of this where also my my college education made a huge difference for me and i think it does for students here at jp catholic when i went to when i went to to catholic university for my undergraduate degree there was mass on campus all the time there's all these religious institutions there the the dominicans the every every order in dc is represented there and so i and in the and the, the drama department was founded by a Catholic priest and and every and most of the faculty were were practicing Catholics. So it all just automatically came together. It was right. just implied. There was no there was no conflict. There was no conflict. Now I juxtaposed that to when I moved to LA and I did what a lot of actors do. I went into catering because nice. most <laughs> actors you're not really an actor till you've worked either a restaurant or a catering or something. And I and I went to an, uh, an institution of higher learning that I will leave unnamed because there's, there's no point in dragging them through the mud. But it was a secular, very popular L.A. secular higher education <clears throat> institute for the arts. and Very, very popular. And I remember just walking on the campus and it had a totally different feel. It had this feeling of art as self-expression first, foremost, and only. It was all about expression of oneself no matter if that expression was ugly destructive offensive personal impersonal it, it had this sense of kind of a, a, a what we a popular notion of freedom it was kind of like all about free expression and i just remember it and the feeling on the campus was was not warm it wasn't kind it wasn't hospitable it was more kind of a free for all. And again, I, you know, God bless them and any good work that comes out of that. And students can certainly go through that and, and find something. But I think what they, what they didn't have was a context. They didn't have a context for what they're doing and why they're doing it. Right. And that, that, that I felt the tangible embodied, I felt a guttural feeling in me between that campus and the campus I, I, I went to school on. And that's true for JP Catholic too. I think students walk around here and you can, You'd you'd have to be you have to have your eyes closed and intend to not sense the presence of right. our faith here. And I think it's interesting. I was oh, where did my thought go? I, oh, I had a thought. Come back, come Holy Spirit. I think something that was really beautiful about and maybe the the difference is oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, we're relational people. That's where I was going with that. So everything that you were talking about, if when we lose our identity in that relationship with Christ, that as daughters and sons and and Mary, you know, perfect mother, perfect daughter, perfect spouse. And we're relational beings. So in acting, the thing that I love is that we're often, I mean, the conflict is always, is relationship, man in himself or, you know, man versus man or, you know, in his exterior, the man versus the exterior. I can't remember all those things right now, but that's where I'm thinking. Mm. And so when, when you lose kind of, I think your identity in your original relationship, it's just like, 
we don't know who we are. And so when we when we take that out of the picture, I think man just like is this floating blob. And it, and it is. It's like, what's the point? And then we can't find any reason to to act if there's no point for us to be standing there in the first place. So there's no room to move when you've got no reason to even be standing still. Um, and so then I think acting in a sense of the art of acting, when we take away that bigger picture of like, like why we're doing it or why we're reflecting. I, we were talking, I just recorded an episode yesterday and we were talking about painting and the reflection of beauty. And as us, as the human person reflecting the beauty of God, we don't know what we're reflecting. We have nothing, no, no image to give if mm. we don't know what we're, who, who's looking at us or who we're looking at. Yes. So I think that's really interesting. And yeah, I don't know if you have any comments about that, but. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I think you're absolutely correct. It, it is relational. And, and what was missing is when we when we're purely about individual expression, that's not art. It's also not even the true expression of ourselves. We are relational by nature. So we relate to each other. Acting is absolutely relational. It's all about your scene partner. Mm-hmm. It's all about the other person. This is why acting can make us a saint and why it can attune us to other people. This is one of the learning curves for students as they become actors is it's not about you. It's really about the other person. And how are you relating to them? What are you doing to them? And that implies a whole life in you. But it's it's absolutely relational. And and I think that's one of the just have a thirty second social commentary. This is one of the challenges of our current culture is we're more and more and more and more isolated and individualistic. So we are less and less connected to each other. It's one of the challenges of of social media and virtual media and all of these things. Although they all obviously like this have wonderful right. wonderful there's wonderful purpose, but we have to be careful we don't pretend that we can be isolated, that we are, you know, and even, and I say this with great care, I say this with great care for anyone involved in, the, you know, the challenges of sexual identity or sexual dysphoria or all that. But one of the things that happens in that idea that I'm not a man or a woman becomes uh, that I can be, I am in and of myself complete. Right. Well, that's not true. It's simply not true. I am, uh, by God's design, I am not in and of myself complete. Right. I am I am absolutely interdependent on on you, on God's grace, on society. Right. And but this illusion that we've kind of bought into that we can function on our own and should function on our own and are complete on our own is actually fundamentally antithetical to Christianity and specifically theology of the body. And that's a good segue because I would like us to go into the theology of the body. So I'm just going to remind everyone because I think I think we'll probably talk more about the quote. So I'm going to remind everyone the letter to artists quote that we that we have guiding this episode, inspiring this episode today is that is why artists, the more conscious they are of their gift, are led all the more to see themselves and the whole of creation with eyes able to contemplate and give thanks and to raise to God a hymn of praise. This is the only way for them to come to a full understanding of themselves, their vocation, and their mission. And so, Professor Askey, I'd like you to just invite you to share any reflection you had as, as you've now looked at this quote. Um, and then, yeah, please go right into theology of the body. Well, the, I mean, this, this quote we could unpack for the next week, as everything with John Paul too, you know, it's so dense. But just a few things that, that you know, are worth considering here is that is why artists, the more conscious they are of their gift. Well, this is a wonderful thing he's saying. We are invited to be conscious of our gift, to pull it forward. So there is, uh, I love in this awareness that, that, that consciousness means awareness and a pulling forward of the gift. It doesn't just kind of sit in the back. I cultivate it. There's an awareness of it. And that means I can choose to be active with it. And, and love 
is always active. Any act of love is always active. There's no such thing as a passive act of love. And in some way involves active and activity. This is the gift of human nature. And this is very John Paul too. One of the gifts I have that my beloved dog Heidi doesn't have, even though I love Heidi and Heidi gives grace to God. She gives praise to God just being her little self, Mm -hmm. but she can't love God the way I can because she's not conscious. Right. She can't choose love. She's, she's fulfilling her destiny being a dog or she's fulfilling her nature being a dog. My nature and your, yours is to be conscious, to, to choose. Right. So I love that right off the bat. You know, the more we can, you might say, I can choose my gift. The more conscious we are of the gift, I choose to embrace the gift. We are led to all the more to see themselves and the whole of creation with eyes able to contemplate and give thanks. It's one of the themes in theology. The body is John Paul II talks about us cultivating the eyes to see. It is not just the gift to be given. It's the eyes to see the heart to receive. And it's one of our invitations and one of our responsibilities, opportunities as human beings is to cultivate the eyes to see. It's one of the things I try to really instill in my students. It's a very theology of the body concept is, okay, beauty's happening. Love is happening. God's grace is happening. There's no question. No question at all. The question is, am I receiving it? Do I have the eyes to see it? And you can just drop those eyes down 12 inches to your heart. It's in other words, do I have the heart to receive it? Will I allow my heart to be moved, to be broken? So it's a wonderful thing. John Paul II talks about the responsibility of the seer, of the receiver. We talk a lot about, correctly so, giving our gifts. That's wonderful. That's half of the equation. <laughs> the other half of the equation is, will I receive? Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, and this is this is the balance between, and I'm kind of talking around theology of the body right now, but I, I will talk about, you know, Maybe I'll pause for a moment just to say theology of the body is John Paul II's way of looking at how we experience God, how we participate in God's grace, and how our our physical manifestation as human beings is a revealing sacrament, small s, but a sacrament nonetheless, of God's grace in the world, and how we live through our interconnectedness uh, emotionally, physically, and in the appropriate, and, and within marriage, sexually, is an absolute of primary participation in the life of God. It's not secondary. It's uh, marriage, as he says, is the primordial sacrament. It's the primordial sacrament. This marriage, this, this marriage between God and us, and this marriage between man and woman, if we come back to that interconnectedness, you know, that interconnectedness. So, but I had another thought around, oh, oh, oh yeah, this of TOB is, is, you know, a Marian spirituality and a Petrine. And John Paul II would say, we're called to be Mary before we are called to be Peter. And for us as Catholics, we often lean heavily on Peter. Mm -hmm. Peter's the doer. It's the masculine principle. I'll go out into the world and evangelize. And that's wonderful. We should go and evangelize, you know, new evangelization. I go out and evangelize. But John Paul II says, yes, and... And the precursor to that, before we are Peter taking his sword into the world, we are first Mary. What did Mary do? Feminine principle. Mary received God's grace. She had the eyes to see, the heart to receive. 
This is so important. This is the contemplative aspect that he's talking about. My first obligation, my first opportunity is to receive the grace of the present moment and all that it presents. And it's full. It's absolutely full, this present moment. And to open my heart to that and to participate in life before I go out and change anything, do anything, I first receive. So th- that's also in here, you know, we, we uh, with eyes able to contemplate and give thanks and to raise to God a hymn of praise. He says, this is the only way, the only way for them, artists, to come to a full understanding of themselves, their vocation, and their mission. So just a quick word about that. I'll say it again. It's the only way for artists to come to a full understanding of themselves, their vocation, and their mission. Well, John Paul II is picking up on a theme there that runs throughout his papacy that actually he, he also comes from Vatican II, is that, that we only know ourselves by being a true gift. In living our vocation, as first and foremost, I say the, hope, the vocation of being a human being made in God's image, it is the, it, we, that is how we know ourselves. You know, we, we're, we seem to be such an such a emphasis these days on ourselves, and people wanting to know, you know, who am I? Does life have meaning? Does my life have meaning? These are the great questions for all of us, you know, and Christianity's answered it. But we all have that, that question in our heart often is, does my life have meaning? Who am I? And he answers it here and says, you know, to come to a full understanding of yourself and your vocation and your mission, to have the eyes to receive and to be a self-donating gift— is how I know who I am. And the last thing I'll say, I'm talking a lot here, but this is oh, it's great. Well, this is this 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 the being and the doing. What I love, John Paul too, he puts together these two qualities of our humanity: the being, human being, and we also call to do. Mary and Peter, the being and the doing. And we tend to, throughout our lives and throughout our cultures, emphasize one or the other. And here he is holding them both together. Ah. I mean, he's such a, well, he's a saint. He's also a genius. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a mystic. You know, this is, he's seeing through the eyes of a mystic here. Yeah. We hold those together. It is through my self-donating love and receiving love from you that I know who I am. Mm. That, for everyone listening, I hope you hear this, that is how we know who we are. That's how we satisfy begin to satisfy, begin to discover how to satisfy the deepest longings of our human heart. And that's to know who I am. And that's, it's an active and receptive paradigm dynamic. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was, that was so beautiful. And as you were talking, I was thinking back to the beginning of our conversation when we were talking about the theatrically authentic, authentically theatrical mass experience mm. um, and how you said to have the eyes of the seer. And we're talking about, the whole of creation with eyes able to contemplate and give thanks and to raise to God a hymn of praise. And I was thinking how every detail in the mass draws us in every, every little detail of the mass draws us in to be able to contemplate God from the smallest, I don't want to get the words wrong, but like the pole mm. that's on top of the chalice. Yes. Or there's everything has practical purpose and like uplifting transcendental purpose. And I love that in the midst of a play as well, there's, Every detail, every every set deck piece, every action, every reaction draws us 
into the play deeper and deeper and deeper. And I just thought that was so powerful as you were talking like that, that detail of what you said was, and I know you're quoting JP2 in and out there, but it just, we're able to contemplate even more deeply when we see with our eyes, but are we receiving that grace? We can see it, but are our eyes actually open to receiving the fullness of that? And I think that's why a lot of times now we're like, I'm bored in mass or this or that. And it's like, well, are you seeing fully what's happening before you? Are mm. we receiving? And, and in the same way, like, that's why I think people are drawn away from the theater sometimes because we get, we're so distracted. We want constant, but we don't look, it's because we don't look deeply enough. We, we just see a surface and we see, well, that's a plate and that's a, that's a this or that's a whatever. But are you seeing the full detail? Are you seeing the symbolism that goes behind that? Are you seeing the person who put it there? A du- like there's so much more if we draw ourselves in, in more intimately into the the piece, whether that's the mass, the theatrical performance, the movie, whatever. <laughs> yes. Th- you're, you're, this is so important, Bailey, what you're saying to, to my perspective. You know, this is why I'm an advocate for teaching uh, Catholic mindfulness. It's one of the courses I teach here is Catholic mindfulness and I teach Catholic compassion cultivation. These are course that we developed at Stanford. And and these courses are about, they are about strengthening our ability to be with exactly what you're talking about. Can I be with myself and life? This is very hard. Yes. Can I be with myself and life? It's, it's very easy to say, you know, today, because of technology, and again, I'm not a, not, you know, I'm a fan. Right. I've got my iPhone right yeah. here. <laughs> but, but our attention span is down to eight seconds. Eight seconds. Yeah. So to sit still and to be with what is, is if anyone, you know, if one thing you can do to open your, to develop your humanity, to receive God's grace is learn to be with what is, with the pain of that, with the numbness of that, with the joy of that. That's why I'm such an advocate for for mindfulness and compassion cultivation, because it strengthens our ability to be with what is. If we cannot do that, it's, it, it, we diminish ourselves and, and we can't do it selectively. This is, this is where most sin comes from. I want to select, I'll be with the joy, but I'm not going to be with the pain. (laughs) Well, that's not Christianity. It's also not reality. It's also not actually the path to fulfillment. It's not actually the path to God's grace. (laughs) It's to be with it all, the agony and the ecstasy. And that means being with this moment. Can I circle back around to one thing you said? You just, you mentioned the Paul, you know, this little, this little, what do we want to call the Paul? It's this little square, square. <laughs> this little square stiff thing with that's, that's um, usually covered in linen that goes on top of the chalice in, in, in a good mass and a reverent mass. I shouldn't say good. All masses are good. But I'm saying someone who's attending to detail, we would say yeah. they, they often use a Paul. And I love that you said, I really think it's important. You said it is a practical and transcendent. I don't know if you use the word transcendent. I think you I did. I think I did. Yeah. yeah. That's so important. There's no competition between those. That's a profoundly Catholic idea and a Christian idea that the transcendent comes through the practical. This is very important. The transcendent comes through the practical. That's just to circle back around what we talked about a while ago was one of the reasons I love that movie, A Hidden Life. You will see it beautifully shot scenes in the countryside of this husband and wife simply living a very practical life, milking the cows, walking through the fields. And the way Terrence Malick does this, it's, it's courageously shot with long, slow, epic shots where you either get it or you're going to check out of it. You're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to, he challenges you not to get bored. And they're, they're just living life and they're living life in a sensual way. I mean, they are tasting, they are, in the fields they're not they're not on their iphone 
They're tasting the food. They're walking. They're holding each other as a husband and wife simply. And it's through this practical, in the dirt humanity, this absolutely real, true, in the dirt humanity that the transcendent comes through. And always, and in this case, it's through marriage, it's through the practicality of their marriage, the earthiness, the physicality, that it is not a competition with God's grace. It is the absolute conduit of God's <laughs> grace. Right? Yes. And I love that even in the mass, we could say the same thing. Right. There's no, nothing's done for nothing. All these, every moment in the mass is chosen carefully because it serves a purpose. And I love that, you know, the Paul, the, the priest placing the Paul in the chalice, you know why it's there? I think it's for flies or something. Yeah, yeah it's, it's because in the medieval times, yeah. this is, and it's even today. Right. There are flies flying around churches. It's very yeah. practical. It's very practical. What do you do when you get a fly in, you know, the holy wine? We right. got a problem to solve then. <laughs> so it's very practical. And yet, in its practicality, the, the, the reverence, this is the moment of just that. Right. What is it? What is it hitting you when you see the priest and take the moment to do? What is it bringing you? I think it's an act of protection, an act of reverence. Like this is something so beautiful. We don't want it to be, again, air quotes, tainted for lack of a better word by we want to protect this precious blood. That's what I that's what I see in in, in the action. I don't know if that's the actual. Well, I think I think it's both. I think you're right. It's both. Mm -hmm. It's 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 okay. I got a practical thing to do. Yeah. But notice he doesn't just throw it on there. and It's not a piece of cardboard. Mm. It's a beautifully done thing that's done with, I'll use the R word, reverence. Yeah. And that's transcendent. Mm. Right through the right through the practical. Yeah. There it is. There it is. There's that's our bodies, that's our faith, that's today, that's this moment. That's that's theology of the body also. There was something so this is a, not off topic, but going off that in theology of the body. We go a lot to Genesis in the beginning. In yeah. the beginning, this is how it was. And I'm in an Old Testament class right now too, so I'm I'm pretty fired up about Genesis and 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 so in the beginning, Adam, we, we said, gosh, we're not we're cooperating with God's grace, not fighting against it. And we've been talking a lot about though that restlessness that comes with can we be with ourselves? Can we see be still and see more deeply? And I think in the beginning that's exactly what happened. Adam didn't trust that God was giving, he wanted to compete with God's grace, not cooperate because he didn't trust that God was giving him everything that he would need to be fully satisfied and fulfilled in this world. And I think a lot of times that's what happens to us is that we do not trust. Even, even I think this is, I mean, this is from the most scrupulous person to the person farthest away from Christ. And scrupulosity a lot too, it's, it's I don't trust that I'm doing the right thing for God that God can't, you know, not to shame anyone struggling with scrupulosity, but I think there's a real battle in ourselves of like, I'm not, I'm not doing enough. The doing the Petrine, mm. like more masculine tendency. Like you said, I think that I'm not, I'm not doing enough. I didn't do the right thing when we have to trust that God gave us exactly the present moment, the the things in front of us, the gifts that we receive first, that these are the things that can bring us to heaven. These are the things that can grant us a life of holiness. And that's why I love, it's really funny because I'm thinking back to the moments I have seen of a hidden life. And the problem was, I was like, gosh, this is so slow. <laughs> and I'm laughing at myself like, wow, that was like, I, I couldn't sit and rest with the idea that this was beauty itself. Like mm. I had to allow, like I, I was like, there, there's gotta be something more. And and I just think that's so beautiful, even to call myself out and be like, where I'm, I am restless Lord. But if I allow him to transcend me and to take that moment to rest and, and be in the beauty 
that it's so satisfying. That's the thing we don't, but we don't give it the moment to let it satisfy. We want to go to the next thing. I think it it just, it stems from our lack of receptivity. We, we want to do, we want to, which is, is beautiful, right? We want to go out and we want to give, but yeah, we have to first allow, I, one of the sisters that used to form us at the Newman Center, I, at, I went to St. John Paul II Newman Center, and she would always say, you have to get yourself out of the swamp before you can help get someone else out mm-hmm. because you can't help them from inside the swamp. And I always think of that. I always, And so it's like in, in the same relationship with Adam, whoever, Adam and Eve, it was like, we, we can't be engulfed in our own unrest to be able, we have to reach out of that and take those that courageous step out to trust God before we can go out and give someone else that. Mm-hmm. So that was a little bit that took us a little bit off. But going back, I just think that was the original sin. And but also we're not bound by our our. So we're fallen in nature and like original sin. Our nature is to you know we have original sin and we're inclined to sin, but we choose it. We still have the choice. We're able to choose not to sin, just like we're able to choose to sin. Mm. So. Yeah, that there's like an encouraging thing there where it's like we can we're inclined to sin, but we can choose not to. So I think sometimes we like let ourselves like, oh, I am enslaved. Obviously, we need to rely on God's grace, but it's like, well, you can choose not to sin too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it goes back to choices, like in in acting and everything. So I think that's cool. Yeah, well, and this is I just want to appreciate your vulnerability and your reflection. I think it's very yeah. insightful, you know, to say, oh, yeah, I'm I there was beauty and I didn't see it. Yeah, well, this is this is what we sometimes call the human condition. This mm-hmm. is what we do. I do it. You do it. This we this is what we do. And that's why mercy and love mm-hmm. like this is, and yeah. God, this is a, there's a new opportunity. This is what's so beautiful. I, so yeah, I, I missed beauty today. Yeah. Okay. I'll reflect on that. Thank you, God, for, for your forgiveness. And I want my eyes open a little more tomorrow to beauty. To contemplate. To contemplate, to yeah. receive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and God through his infinite mercy says, I give you another chance. Oh, you know, yeah. like, let's do it. Let's start over, you know, like what a wonderful, I just love this image of, there's a book that JP2 wrote called, it's for bishops. And I think it's an Old Testament quote, but it's called, it's called Rise, Let Us Be On Our Way. Maybe you've seen it. It's a wonderful picture on the front of that book, Rise and Let Us Be On Our Way. But isn't that kind of what God's always saying to us? Like, rise, yeah. let us be on our way. Like, let's, let's start again. Mm. You didn't, you didn't, maybe you saw some beauty today. You didn't didn't fully participate in the truth today. He did, okay, we'll see it. This is that awareness. You can have eyes to see. Yeah. And, and then we, let's, through, through God's mercy and the sacraments, we can continue and start over. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. This is like, this is the best. <laughs> <laughs> I really love, I mean, all of you out there, like, I, this is so fun for me to like get to chat with people because it's just, we go from one place and the Lord, he just pulls us deeper, deeper, deeper. And I think it's funny, like we start with acting and now theology of the body and we talk about sin and there's all these things that's like interconnected that as, as long as we have the eyes to contemplate, to see and to raise, allow our minds to be transcended by those things, we can always go deeper. And I was just talking with someone about how we were like, wow, we never get bored talking about Christ. Like we just, mm. we just don't. And, and it's almost alarming to us when, because it's so integrated into who we are. It's alarming when we're like, oh, I have to pull back pull back and it feels very uncomfortable for us when we're like oh i don't share because god has just through his grace showered upon us and and given us certain eyes to see certain things that we feel very called to to talk about it and not in like a shove it down your throat type of thing but in the way that we see the world like this is just oh i see this thing and i i choose to talk about jesus because 
like his he's directing me right back to him. It just becomes up very naturally. And I think that's the beauty. And you were talking earlier about how you love when there's like the the Christian under themes right in the beginning when you're talking about hidden life mm. and the Christian under themes. And I think it's so funny because I do. I love that. But a lot of people know here I'm on my soapbox of the opposite way. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, I just want to talk about Jesus all the time. I don't want to settle <laughs> under theme. And and I but I love that because it's true, because if we allow our eyes to be opened through something that's very relatable for someone who who might step back if they're just if it's Jesus is right up their front and or not, G, mm. you know, any type of religious context it's an inviting way to welcome someone to see something deeper and i think they absolutely can be brought to the same point no matter what the entrance way, entry way is mm-hmm. which i think is really cool yeah it's great it's great and you know i i think when we look through that deeper lens it's it's jesus's world right it's god's world when i look at any piece of art now when i look at any film I'm always looking at it through that template. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how does this either participate in the story of Christ or not? Right. And it will fall somewhere in that spectrum. Yeah. And my personal take is anything that reveals, you know, beauty, truth, mm-hmm. and goodness yeah. in any way mm-hmm. that nudges us in some heart opening direction is in that broadest sense a good thing. Yeah. I have a pretty broad standard. I mm-hmm. think when people go, well, is this movie okay? Yeah. Is this movie okay? Yeah. You have to try pretty hard right. to create a piece of art that is overtly immoral or offensive. And they're yeah. there. Mm-hmm. They're there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that also, I think that's part of an artist's perspective is, anyway, it's a bit of a tangent. I don't know. Do you yeah. want to head off in that direction or talk? No, yes, that's yes, okay. Yes. I don't want to. <laughs> I mean, we can, but <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> we also don't have much time. So I want to make sure we get it. Okay. Where we're going, but yeah. But yeah, I think I think it's yeah, that's funny. It is a tangent. We'll we'll back. But <laughs> I guess since we are approaching kind of the end of our time, yeah. What is some advice you can give? This is so funny. I'm like looking at my sheet of paper because I haven't the whole time. <laughs> what is some advice you can give to the Catholic actor who who is trying to pursue their gift while while staying integrated in the faith? And and you've had a really unique journey of being able to to just live that out. You said you always tell your students that the saint it's the same journey becoming a saint to becoming an actor. Can you just speak a little bit more about that? Yeah. Well, but just, I think the first thing I would say to someone is, is stay close to the sacraments. That's the non-negotiable. That's your parameter. I mean, that's going to, that's going to reset you stay close to the sacraments and, and stay aware if you, and open your eyes and be mindful. I think these are all things that are easy to say, but you, you know, live your life and stay close to the sacraments. And it has an amazing way to, especially the sacrament of confession, has amazing ways of kind of resetting your, like, well, you know, here I am again with the same thing. With the little spiritual direction, I can look at that and see, you know. And here's what I would say to Catholic actors, a little bit of an odd, maybe odd answer to your question, but, yeah, okay, I'm going to stick my, I'm going to stick it out here and just see. see uh, you have to be a, you cannot be a conservative actor and i mean that not in the political sense but by nature artists have to be willing to be liberal in the in the traditional sense of the word open curious risk takers and again i say this carefully you know because a great catholic guy pat carroll i was at dc i lived in dc i went to go to hear a talk by pat carroll pat carroll was the voice of ursula do you remember oh my gosh yes she she's a wonderful (laughs) actress very large, robust, you know, just full of life woman. And she's mm-hmm. a great theater actor. And and she was Catholic. She went to, I think she went to CUA and 
she was part of the Catholic community there. And I, I listened, I sat in on a talk she gave and, and uh, here she was. And she said, I want to tell you something. This is a very accomplished woman. And she said, she said, do not be a conservative actor. Go open yourself to everything. Now, again, we have to say that in the context of, of, you know, keeping your, your, yourself morally grounded. Right. And no, she's not talking politics, but what she is saying is if we lead first with judgment and no, which is a specialty of a conservative person like myself, if I'm not careful, I will lead with judgment and no as my first response. That will not open us. And it's a little bit of a default sometimes for us as Christians because we're in the reactionary position sometimes that we feel like we kind of have to ensconce ourselves behind more of a no. You got to find your yes. You have to find your yes to life. Yes to your passions. Yes to what lights you up. Yes to what breaks your heart. And that's just hard on a human level. Right. <laughs> right. That's we don't want to do it. And sometimes we'll use religion as an excuse to not go there. That's hard on a human level because who wants their heart broken? But you have to have your heart broken to be an actor. You have to be willing to have your heart. I mean, a broken open, right. broken to give, broken to receive. Again, I'm not trying to share strange or esoteric advice, I'm, <laughs> but I'm, if what actors, if you know, a good yeah. Catholic actor, these, this is what I, the formula I would give you. Stay close to the sacraments. Mm -hmm. Stay aware. That means mindful mm -hmm. of, of yourself and the world. Not on guard, aware, mindful, attuned. What's happening in me? Cultivate the eyes to see and the heart to receive. And then go, go with an adventurous spirit. Do everything. You know, again, I'm going to say that with, in, you know, you keep yourself, but stretch yourself. Mm -hmm. Stretch yourself, you know. And that's what I would say. That's, I love that. And I, it's funny because I'm thinking of Maria Gadosik, who I had on the very first episode, who's a pupil of yours. And mm -hmm. I remember her saying, two things that really have stuck with me since that interview that I think could tie this off. Well, you're saying going with an adventurous spirit. And I remember her saying like about you, how she was like, I want to try everything because to live saints are people who live the human experience in the fullness or something. I'm butchering the quote, but she said, she said it so beautifully. And that, that struck me when we live the human experience to the fullest, we find God in the present moment and in everything, like you're saying with the films, it's really hard to not see God there, especially if, if you just look for him. And I love that she said that because we can only, going back to what we were saying, work with what we've been given, but we can go deeper into what we've been given. And I just, I just really love that. I think it was saints or, or saints are people who are living their humanity the fullest. I think that's what it was. And mm. I, I'd have to go back to that first episode. I don't know where she got that. If she quoted a saint or she quoted you, I don't mm. know, but it was, it was really beautiful. And I think if I'm not mistaken, that's what you're trying to say with that last point, go living life to experience things in that fullness because God in his fullness is going to give us that human experience because he became human. Yes. And, and just to, you know, to bring us back to JP two, yeah. the first words of his pontificate from the balcony. Remember mm -hmm. you know what it was? Open wide the doors to Christ and be not afraid. Be not afraid. <laughs> yes. Yes. Be not afraid. God's got this. Do your part. Open your heart. Be not afraid. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Oh, I love JV2 is my favorite scene ever in case you didn't know. <laughs> but I do think we have to end it there because I just we uh, we would go on and on and on and on forever. Yeah. But thank you so much for being on the show. Really, it's been a joy for me to be able to speak with you. So thank you for being here. Me too. My pleasure. And for all of you, thank you for joining us for this conversation about acting, about theology of the body. For all of our listeners out there, if you missed any of our show today or just want to catch an encore, we are on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Just type in Letter to Artists. You can also find out more about the show by following us on Instagram at Letter to Artists Pod. 
That's Letter to Artists P-O-D. So please follow us. We want to hear from you and hear your thoughts on the show. And if you're a Catholic artist wanting to share, reach out. We want to keep these conversations going. We want to build this community of creative Catholics. Letter to Artists is proudly brought to you by John Paul the Great Catholic University, hoping to encourage you to use your talents to impact culture for Christ. I'm your host, Bailey Garland, signing off with some encouragement for your day. Be not afraid. You artists who perceive in yourselves this kind of divine spark. As poet, writer, actor, architect, sculptor, musician, feel the obligation not to waste this talent, but to develop it, to put it at the service of your neighbor and of humanity as a whole. May the beauty which you pass on to generations still to come be such that it will stir them to wonder. Society needs you, artists. The world in which we live needs beauty.